بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته اللهم انفعنا بما علمتنا وعلمنا ما ينفعنا وارزقنا علما تنفعنا به آمين رب العالمين الحمد لله ثم الحمد لله We've reached the next lesson of the tafsir of the short surahs of the Quran cause and <clears throat> last week after completing Suratul Fil, the surah of the elephant and going into detail on the incident of the elephant we move on today to the next surah in the Quran which is Suratul Quraysh Suratul Quraysh, the surah which speaks about the Quraysh and this surah first and foremost uh, has a clear connection to the previous surah to the surah of Al-Fil the previous surah we spoke about um, how Allah Azzawajal protected and how he blessed the people of Mecca and destroyed the plans of the of the enemy, right? We spoke about this at length and we gave the, a detailed explanation on what happened between Abraha and his army that he came with with the elephants and he came with the huge elephant Al-Mahmud to destroy the Kaaba. This was the goal. And after the people of Mecca eventually gave way and they stood aside and let Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala defend his house, we know what happened and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the Tayran Ababil, these flocks of birds and they came with stones of tiny little pebbles of, of clay which then destroyed the, the, the armies or the army of Abraha and by this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected his, his house, the Kaaba. And of course, this was a huge um, win and advantage and blessing upon the Quraysh. Because the Quraysh understood this as, as, a, as a success and a sign of Allah's happiness. And for them, this was the greatest blessing for them. And the greatest pride for them. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent these birds and He protected the Kaaba, which to them was their place. Which was their place. And this is how it was a great victory for them. And they took this as a sign that Allah was pleased with them and that Allah has blessed them. Um, such that that year became known as Amul Fil, the year of the elephant. And the, the, you know this was an, a great historical event for them that they were extremely proud of. And they would refer back to the year of the elephant. Anything happened before that, it happened before the year of the elephant. Anything happened after that, it happened after the year of the elephant. Even the birth of Rasulullah he said he was born in the year of the elephant. So this was a great, great favor upon, upon them from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In this surah, Allah mentions more of his favors that he had blessed the Quraysh with, that he had blessed the people of Mecca with. So we find a direct relationship between these two surahs. Just like, for example, if we go back to Wadduha and Alam Nashrah Laka Sadrak, there was a clear connection between those two surahs. Likewise, over here, there's a clear connection. In fact, <coughs> Some ulama even went and said that they are supposed to be one surah and then it was just differentiated by the basmal and so forth. However, this is a, a weakened view and Allah knows best. Um, although Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu amirul mu'mineen it's narrated that he would recite these two surahs in, the, in salah in one raka'ah. So in one raka'ah he would recite Alam tara kifa fa'ala rabbuka bi ashab al-feel finish the surah and then immediately read uh, you then read this although this doesn't prove that it's one surah because this is permissible in Islam to recite more than one surah in one raka'ah as well but just to show that the connection between them is extremely extremely strong um, so in this surah again Allah mentions a number of the favors of the, of the that he has bestowed upon the Quraysh we will learn that the Quraysh would travel every winter they had a journey that they traveled in the winter in the Shita and in the Saif, in summer. And this was done in security, in safety and security. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, made it such for them. In winter they would travel to Yemen and acquire many goods, produce and provisions. All of this is of course seasonal. So as we know, in South Africa, in other places in the world, our produce is seasonal. In certain seasons we get certain fruits. In other seasons we get different fruits. And others, you know, and we don't find them in other seasons. So like this, they would travel to Yemen and acquire certain goods and produce that was in season. 
And this was during the winter, which means it was easier to travel because uh, avoiding the scorching heat of the desert and so forth. And then in summer they would travel towards Syria, towards Sham. And there they would get lots of fruits and again various produce, all seasonal produce. And through this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made this journey or these journeys and these travels and these business expeditions easy for them. And He made it one of safety and security for them. And of course, whilst also being profitable for their, for their businesses. So for them, they could travel with ease. Through the winter, they had a certain journey towards uh, Yemen. And in the summer, they had another journey towards uh, Sham. And they would get their produce, get their goods, their merchandise, return back with safety, with security. And this was a great blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon them. And of course, because of this, they could do trade. They could... Uh, you know, uh, uh, they were they were successful merchants due to this, um, and this is part of the bounty of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala upon them. So Allah Subhanahu wa Taala He says in the beginning of the surah, "Li'ilafi Quraysh, Li'ilafi Quraysh," for the accustomed security of the Quraysh, for the accustomed security of the Quraysh. Firstly, Ibn Jarir al-Tabari, rahimahullah, he says. That the correct opinion is that the letter lam in li'ilafi, that li in the beginning, is added to the word ilaf. So that li there has some type of meaning. Okay? Ibn Jarir al-Tabari, he says that that lam is a prefix. And it's added and it shows amazement. It shows amazement. It is as though Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, you should be amazed. At the uniting of the Quraysh and my favor upon them in that. It should be something of amazement how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala united them during these journeys, during these Lihlat uh, al-Shita'i the journey in the winter and in the summer. Allah brought them together and how He blessed them in that. This is something of amazement. It's something to be taken note of. And also how they then out of amazement, they refuse to worship Allah alone. And they refuse to follow through with Allah's commandments, which we will see towards the end of the surah. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala expected in return for these favors they did not do. So we should be amazed about this. This is what this lamb refers to. There are various opinions on the lamb, but this just seems to be the strongest view and the view of the great Imam Ibn Jarir al-Tabari, the Imam of the scholars of Tafsir, the Imam al-Mufassirin. Tayyip. Um, so he says this lamb is one of, is a prefix which shows amazement. You should be amazed at these people, how Allah brought them together and gave them all of these bounties, and yet they refuse to worship him alone. The accustomed security. Right? So the word ilaf we need to get into uh, in the caravan of winter and summer, right? The journeys of the winter and summer which we, which we touched on. Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, he says, We have prevented the elephant from entering Mecca. We know the story. And we have destroyed its people in order to gather ilaf, the Quraysh. In order to gather the Quraysh. This is what the word ilaf means, one of the meanings. Which means to unite them and bring them together safely in their city. This is one of the meanings of the word ilaf. That Allah brings them together safely in their city. Unites them safely in their city. Right? So, لِإِلَافِ قُرَيْشْ إِلَافِهِمْ رِحْلَةَ الشِّتَاءِ وَالصَّيْفِ How Allah brought them together in safety, in security. Right? And in this journey, this caravan of the winter and the summer. Ibn Kathir carries on and he said, It has also been said that the meaning of إِلَاف is what they would gather during their journey in the winter to Yemen and in the summer to Sham through trade and other than that. Meaning, ilaf refers to the goods. It refers to the produce that they used to acquire of what they used to get on these journeys to Yemen and to in Sham. Right? This is another opinion on what ilaf refers to. Then they would return to their city in safety during their journeys due to the respect that the people had for them because they were the people of the Haram. They were the people of the Haram, the people of Allah's sanctuary. Therefore, whoever knew them would honor them. Even those who came to them and traveled with them 
would be safe because of them. This was their situation during their journeys and travels during their winter and summer. Right? This is speaking about this ayah in how they traveled during the winter and the summer to Yemen and to, to Sham. So the word ilaf here means how Allah gathered them together or it could be referred to what they managed to gather and, uh, and bring together on their journeys. Right? And all of this was done in safety and security. They accustomed safety or security in the caravan of winter and summer. Right? This is what this word ilaf means. And ultimately, what does this show us? It shows us how Allah blessed these people. It shows us already one of the great blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestowed upon them. And the respect that they, uh, that they had purely because they were people of the Haram. Purely because they were the people of Mecca. They were the people of the Kaaba. This is how people knew them. This is how people acknowledged them. This was their reputation. And they were the people whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected. When Abraha came with his elephants, Allah protected these people and he protected his house. And they are the people of the house. And he destroyed this huge army with these elephants and so forth. So how, this is how people feared them. That perhaps if we oppose them, or we attack them, Allah might expose us and destroy us. So people had a type of fear for them. And people respected them greatly. And honored them greatly. And as Ibn Kathir said, even those who came and traveled with them would be safe because of them. So remember back in those days, they would travel and there were bandits. There were people waiting on the, in the desert, waiting to pounce on caravans that are coming through and so forth with any merchandise, with any goods. And they would pounce and steal and, and, and run off and escape into the desert. But when they saw it was people of the Quraysh, they feared because they knew Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala might protect these people. You know, these are people of the Haram. So they had that status about them. They had that, that reverence about them. Subhanallah. So this was a great favor that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestowed upon them. And here Allah is, is mentioning this, li'ilafi Quraysh. That ilaf of the Quraysh. You should be amazed of the ilaf of the Quraysh. You know, how they, Allah gathered them in security. And how the goods that they gathered in security, those goods that they got on their journeys, in the winter and in the summer. Or how he gathered them in their journeys on the winter and the, the summer. Should be something of amazement. And then Allah says, فَلْيَعْبُدُوا رَبَّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ فَلْيَعْبُدُوا رَبَّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ So let them worship the Lord of this house. Let them worship the Lord of this house. Meaning, so therefore worship the Lord of the sacred house. Yani due to these great favors and bounties Allah bestowed upon you, O Quraysh, worship Allah. This is all that Allah wants in return. Allah has bestowed many bounties upon you. Here is the, one of the biggest that we've mentioned now, how Allah allowed them to travel with the security and with their goods and produce and successful businesses and this honor and status He gave them as the people of the Haram, how He protected them from Abraha and the elephants, how people now had this fear for them, and how they could travel freely without any worry because people were fearful of them. So these bounties Allah is mentioning. And in the previous surah, Allah is also mentioning their, their favors, how Allah protected them and so forth. Now all Allah is saying to them, So let them worship the Lord of this house. Remember, these are people of the Haram. Look how Allah is speaking. He, he could have said, let, let them worship Allah. Let them worship the Lord of everything. But yeah, he specifically mentions the Lord of this house, meaning the Kaaba, the sacred house. Let them worship the Lord of this house, because it is this house that has honored you. It's not the other way around. This house is not honored because of you, O Quraysh. No, you have been honored because of this house. Had this house not been there, and Abraham had attacked your city, you would have been destroyed, every single one of you. But because of this house, Allah decided to protect the Kaaba, and you were people of the Kaaba, hence you were naturally protected because you were part of the city of Mecca, and people of the sanctuary. So it's this, this house that has honored you, that has given you the, your status, because you are the people who live by this house, and who surround this house, and in many ways also look after the house. They will maintain the haram and so forth. No doubt about this, right? So... 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here says, let them worship who? The Lord of this house. Yeah, worship firstly means, Allah says, let them worship. What does the word worship mean? The word worship means to submit, right? To surrender and to humble oneself to Allah. This is worship. Worship means to, to surrender yourself, to humble yourself, to, to uh, uh, belittle yourself, to submit yourself, of course, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, with love and ta'zeem, with love, mahabba and ta'zeem and glorification. This is, this is true worship. So when we worship Allah, it's not just a ritual that we do when we get over with. Rather, it's supposed to be one where we humble ourselves, we surrender ourselves unto Allah, and we do this out of love to fulfill the commandments of Allah, to get close to Allah, to seek the rewards of Allah, to seek Jannah by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We do this out of love to give back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after Him blessing us. And also out of glorification, ta'zeem, that we realize the greatness of Allah. So when we worship Him, we humble ourselves and we glorify Allah. We magnify Allah's status. This is ta'zeem. The greatness of Allah, you try to show the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So this is true worship. It's submission, surrendering unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out of love for Allah and out of glorification unto Allah, out of ta'zeem. Uh, when any instruction reaches a person, he says, I heard and I obey. This is a true believer. This is the true worshiper of Allah. When we hear an obligation of that, that has come, an instruction, a commandment from Allah, what do we say? Sami'na wa ata'na. We've heard and we obey. That's the believer. He doesn't think twice. He doesn't bring his own opinion. He doesn't try to change the laws of Allah to suit his desires. Right? If it makes sense to him, alhamdulillah. If it doesn't make sense to him, Alhamdulillah, he says, I heard and I obey. We do not, we are not people who prefer our intellect over the text of the Quran and the Sunnah. This is not the way of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. This is the way of the Mu'tazila and the people of Kalam and Falsafa and fal, uh, uh, you know, rhetoric, people of philosophy. Not the way of the Sahaba and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam or any of the great Imams who followed them in righteousness from the three blessed generations. It is that we submit to the text of Allah. If it makes sense, alhamdulillah, this is a favor. It's a bounty. If it doesn't make sense, we still submit. Because the text comes first. Right? And not the other way around. When any information reaches him, any khabar, any information about the past, about what has happened, and so forth in the Quran and the Sunnah, he says, I have heard and I believe in it. Sami'na. This is what they say, we've heard it and we believe in it. Without any doubt. With love and ta'zeem. With love and ta'zeem for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at all times. Due to that love and mahabba, you will implement all Allah's commands. If he truly loves Allah, he will only be pleased to implement the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if he truly glorifies and fears Allah, that ta'zeem will keep him away from the prohibitions of Allah. This is all-encompassing worship. Mahabba and ta'zeem. This is part of one's true servitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Shaykhul Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah, he said that worship is an all-inclusive term. It includes many different things and, and ways. That includes all that which is beloved and pleasing to Allah from speech and actions, hidden and apparent. Right? This is a very um, general definition of what worship could be. Right? It's, it's, these are all correct, just like the previous one we gave of submission and so forth. This is also correct. Worship is an all-inclusive term. It means many different types of worship. Salah, zakat, uh, sadaqat, hajj, umrah, fasting, birrul walidain. So many things. It's all worship. Learning, studying, teaching, all worship. All-inclusive term. It includes all of these types of ibadat. All of things which are beloved and pleasing to Allah. It cannot be something which angers Allah or something that Allah that's something that Allah hates. So for this point alone, we can remove anything that's not part of the sunnah, like bid'ah, because bid'ah is not pleasing to Allah. It's not something that Allah loves. Right? Speech and action, this is also worship. Your speech is worship when you make dhikr, when you recite Quran, when you speak a good word, when you give da'wah. And also your action is worship. Physical action you give sadaqah, make tawaf. Pray salah, 
Salah includes all types of worship, speech, action, and the heart, hidden and apparent. Right, this is clear, hidden in the heart, apparent is what is seen and heard. There's all types of, or all of this is, uh, you know, defining or giving us an idea of what worship uh, could be. And of course, there are also two conditions for worship for it to be accepted. We, we've touched on this many times. Ikhlas, sincerity for the sake of Allah alone. And secondly, ittiba'u sunnah. It has to be in accordance with the sunnah. If it's not, then it's an innovation and it will be rejected and Allah knows best. So, فَلْيَعْبُدُوا Let them worship. We've spoken a little bit about worship. رَبَّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ Coming back to this part of the ayah, Allah attributes this house to himself. رَبَّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ As an honor and glorification. And he attributes it to his rububiyyah. He attributes this house to whom? To his rububiyyah. His lordship. رَبَّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ He is the lord of this house. He is the true lord of this house. Right? In another verse, he attributes it to himself. And all of this is for what reason? To show the status of this Kaaba. To honor this Kaaba and to show the glorification of this Kaaba. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Hajj, وَطَهِّرْ بَيْتِي And purify my house. وَطَهِّرْ بَيْتِيَ لِلطَّائِفِينَ وَالْقَائِمِينَ وَالْرُكَّعِ السُّجُودِ In the... In the, the uh, more lengthy part of the ayah in the English. And remember when we assigned Ibrahim the site of the house saying, do not associate with me in, in worship and purify my house. Baytiyah, my house. For those who circle the Kaaba, stand in salah and bow and prostrate themselves. Purify this house. Yani from shirk and so forth. Okay, so two ayat we have over here. We Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala firstly attributes this a house to his lordship, his rububiyyah. He is the lord of this house. There is no other lord of this house but him. And this is his house. Bayti, he says, my house. All of this is for what reason? To show the grandeur and the status and the honor of the Kaaba al-Musharrafa. Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, he says, on this ayah, فَلْيَعْبُدُوا رَبَّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ means, let them single him out for worship. Just as he has given them a safe sanctuary and a sacred house. Subhanallah. This is what Allah wants. Allah has given you the safe sanctuary, the haram. And a sacred house, the Kaaba. He's given this to you, O Quraysh. What does Allah want from you? Worship him alone. Worship the Lord of this house. He is the one who's deserved of your worship. He is the one who has protected this house. From Abraha and the elephants. He is the one who has allowed you to be people of the haram. He is the one who's given you your status and given you your wealth and given you your food, which is coming up, and given you your safety and your security and so forth. All Allah wants is that you worship Him alone. But the Quraysh, did they listen? We know that the Quraysh were idol worshippers of Allah and Al Uzza and Al Isaf and Nailah and others. Subhanallah. So they were not grateful to Allah Azza wa Jal. Ibn Kathir says, This is as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in another verse, إِنَّمَا أُمِرْتُ أَنْ أَعْبُدَ رَبَّ هَذِهِ الْبَلْدَةِ الَّذِي حَرَّمَهَا وَلَهُ كُلُّ شَيْءٍ وَأُمِرْتُ أَنْ أَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he is saying, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says on his tongue, I have been commanded only to worship the Lord of this city. Referring to Makkah. Allah is the Lord of this city, again honoring the city of Makkah. Honoring the city of Makkah by Allah saying He is specifically the Lord of the city. Does that mean Allah is only the Lord of Makkah and not the other cities? No, of course not. And that's why Allah also says He is the one who has sanctified it. Harramaha. He made it a haram. He made it a sanctuary. And to whom and to whom all things belong. To him, every single thing belongs to him. And he's the Lord of everything. But specifically also Makkah. This city which he made a sanctuary. Allah makes it clear again, honoring the city of Makkah. And I have been commanded to be from amongst the Muslimin. This is what the Prophet was instructed to say, as Allah mentions it in the Quran. So, this is what Allah wanted from them that they worship the Lord of the city, the Lord of this house, who made it the sanctuary, and to him belongs everything, and that he wants them to be from amongst the Muslimin, those who submit to his laws, those who submit to him. This is all Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted from them. Nothing extreme, nothing major. Worship Him alone. 
This is it. This is what it was all about. And this is why he sent all of the messengers. For Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah, Tawheed of worship. Not al-Rububiyyah, Tawheed of worship is why he sent the messengers and what he wanted from the Quraysh. And this is exactly why he sent Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to them. Because they were worshipping other than Allah. There was goodness within them as much as they were upon Jahiliyyah. There was a lot of goodness within them. And we see this as many of them accepted Islam and so forth. But the stubborn and arrogant refused. The main call was to the call of Tawheed of Uluhiyyah. And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted from them. That they just give up their false gods and false deities and stop worshipping idols and trees and stones and various other things and only worship Allah. Had they done this, they would have been saved and they would have entered Jannah one after another. In the next ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, الَّذِي أَطْعَمَهُمْ مِنْ جُوعٍ وَآمَنَهُمْ مِنْ خَوْفٍ Worship the Lord of this house. Who is he? Allah then says, who has fed them. الَّذِي أَطْعَمَهُمْ مِنْ جُوعٍ Has fed them against hunger. And made them secure against fear. And made them secure against fear. Right? So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now mentions more of the bounties. He now mentions more of his favors upon the Quraysh. Right? Ibn Uthaymin mentions it's an external favor and an internal favor. Right? An internal favor referring to what happens inside of them. Yani Allah refers to the food that he has provided them. Which saves them from destruction, from ju'. Ju' means hunger. Right? Allah gave them food, He fed them, such that they did not starve. This is a bounty and a favor from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? And we spoke about how you know they would have gotten some of those things, how they traveled and they and they got produce and so forth. This was one of the ways. Besides their local produce, besides the wealth that they had. But this was an, an, an internal favor, yani that which benefited them internally. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he um, fed them and he saved them from hunger. He saved them from, from starvation. As for the external favor, Ibn Uthaymin rahimahullah says, this refers to saving them from fear. Because this was an external uh, worry that they had. It wasn't internal, it was external. It was something that they had to worry about. Like the day when they were surrounded by the enemies. And the people refused to come out and fight. What happened? We spoke about this with Abdul Muttalib discussing with Abraha. When he returned from Abraha, he said to the people, go towards the mountains. Take shelter. Stay out, stay away from the haram now. Right? Everybody leave because once these people come in, we have no chance against them. We are not going to fight. We're just going to wait in the mountains and hopefully if they destroy the Kaaba, they destroy the Kaaba. And if they don't, they don't. But we will stay in the mountains and we are not going to fight because there's no point in us fighting. This was the attitude that they took. We're going to leave it to Allah. But when this happened, they took and they sheltered themselves. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning this ayah for them. He saved them from this fear that they had. Of course, they were full of fear once they saw the armies of Abraha. And they heard the stories of the, sto- of the armies of Abraha and the elephants that he has come with and the weaponry that he has come with. And the previous nations that he destroyed on his way to Mecca, he destroyed cities in Khath'an, in Ta'if, how they submitted to him, and other places. So they were full of fear. They had this, this fear. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected them and saved them from this fear by destroying the army of Abraha before the army even came into the Haram, the Haram area. So he protected them from, he definitely protected them from fear. In this is one instance, and in many other instances, if we look at the journeys, for example, he protected them from fear, because they could travel with safety. They could travel in the winter and the summer to Sham and to Yemen with safety, because Allah gave them this protection, because He made them the people of the Haram and this reputation that they had. min says, and He protected the one who protected them from fear. These are examples of how He specifically protected these Qurayshis from fear. Subhanallah. In fact, Ibn Uthaymin mentions and he says, Mecca is the most secure and safe place on earth. Allah made it the sanctuary and made many things impermissible in Mecca that is permissible everywhere else. Mecca, there's no place like Mecca. To this day, it's one of the safest places in the world, alhamdulillah. 
right? In a hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, it was not permissible for anyone before me, and it is not permissible for anyone after me. Referring to Makkah. It was only permitted to me for part of a day. Now, at this very hour, it is sacred. It is sacred. Its thorns are not to be cut. Its trees are not to be cut down. And its lost property is not to be picked up except by the one who announces it. And this is specific for Makkah. These things, the trees are not to be cut down. Wild bushes are not to be removed. Um, thorns are not to be cut. Ibn Qudam, this hadith in Bukhari and Muslim, it's agreed upon. Ibn Qudam, rahimahullah, he said, the scholars are agreed that it is haram to cut the trees of the haram. But it is permissible to take idkhir, which is a kind of grass, and what people plant of vegetable crops and herbs. Which means, whatever grows naturally in the haram area cannot be removed. However, what people have planted of their own crops and so forth, this can be removed and benefited from. But this shows the sanctuary of Makkah, right? The sanctity of Makkah. Ibn Uthaymin rahimahullah also said, Medina is also a haram, right? Medina is also a sanctuary and it enjoys some type of sanctity. But its sanctity is much less than that of Makkah. No Muslim can come to the sanctuary of Makkah from outside the haram boundary unless he is in a state of ihram. This applies only to Makkah. He must enter Ihram. And this doesn't apply even to Medina. In the sanctuary of Makkah, the grass and trees, meaning all, all plants, are protected. They cannot be removed or cut down. Whereas in the sanctuary of Medina, a concession is, is granted regarding some of its trees for the purpose of agriculture and the like. Hunting game in Makkah is prohibited. And a penalty must be paid for that. Whereas no penalty is required for hunting game in Medina, right? What's the point? The Sheikh says the point is that the safest place is Mecca, where even the trees are safe and even game animals are safe. Subhanallah. This is how Allah has honored the city of Mecca. This is how he has protected the city of Mecca. This is how the city is truly the secured and safe city. Subhanallah. And this is in from those days already, right? From the early days. So, when Allah says this, He's protected them from fear, He's protected Mecca in so many ways. And who was the main beneficiaries? The people of Mecca at the time was the, the Qurayshis. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in another verse, Have they not seen how we have made Mecca a safe haven? Aminan, meaning safe. Whereas people all around them are snatched away. How can they then believe in falsehood and deny Allah's favors? How can they then believe in falsehood and deny Allah's favors? That's how Allah made the haram aminan, a safe haven. Surah Wattini wa Zaytun, we spoke about this ayah. And by this secure city. Allah swore by Makkah in this ayah, by this secure city. We spoke about this in Surah Atin. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala swears by Mecca and says The safe, secure city يعني مكة. So this entire surah Surah Quraysh Is A reminder for the Quraysh Of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Blessed them with this house of his With this Kaaba This was an ultimate blessing for them The fact that they could be people of the Kaaba that they could be people who lived around the Kaaba and maintained the Kaaba. This was Allah's favor upon them. So Allah is reiterating this fact, in the, uh, this point in the surah, and reminding them of this great favor upon them of how He blessed them with the with, with the Kaaba. And He also mentions the food that He suffices them with. He, he saved them from hunger and starvation. He blessed them with food, and He also blessed them with safety and security. Right? We've spoken about each point in detail. How Allah has given them these be these benefits. So this whole surah is a reminder for these Quraysh, these Qurayshis. That's why it's called Surah Quraysh, because it was specifically for them, to get to them and make them understand, look how Allah has blessed you. And it also relates to the previous surah, as we said, how Allah blessed you in that instance, with, the, with the, how He protected you against Abraha. Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, says um, on this ayah, where Allah gave them food and He saved them from, 
hunger and he also saved them from fear. This means that he favors them with safety and gentleness. He favors them with safety and gentleness so they should single him out for worship alone without any partner. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants once again. He's given you these blessings. All he wants is that you turn to him and you worship him alone. They should not worship any idol, rival or statue beside him. This is what Allah wants him to give up. So that they can realize all of this comes from Allah. And so the idols, they don't benefit. They, nor do they harm. Nor do they bring anything. Therefore, whoever accepts this command, he worships Allah alone. Allah will give him safety in both this life and the year after. So like Allah has given you safety in this world, if you accept the one command which is worship Allah alone and avoid of these, these idols and, and false gods and so forth, then Allah will give you that safety not just in this dunya but also in the year after. You will be saved from Jahannam, saved from the torments of the hellfire and what comes before it on the day of Qiyamah and so forth. However, whoever disobeys him, he will remove both of them from him. Whoever refuses and he, he lives upon shirk, he refuses to worship Allah alone. He refuses to give up his kufr or his shirk in the idols and, 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 and anything else that is worshipped besides Allah. This will be removed from them. Yani, both of them from meaning the safety in this world and the safety in the year after will be removed from this person. And this is as Allah says, Ibn Kathir brings us another ayah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَضَرَبَ اللَّهُ مَثَلًا قَرْيَةً كَانَتْ آمِنَةً مُطْمَئِنَّةً And Allah sets forth the example of a society, of a, a people, who was safe and at ease. آمِنًا آمِنَةً They were safe, secured. مُطْمَئِنَّةً They were at ease. يَأْتِيهَا رِزْقُهَا رَغَدًا مِنْ كُلِّ مَكَانٍ They received the, its provisions. In abundance from all directions. Their provisions, their, their, their produce, their crops and their wealth came to them from all over. With ease, from all directions. And then Allah says, فكفرت. But its people, فكفرت بأنعم الله. Its people met Allah's favors with ingratitude. They were not people of gratitude, they were in, ungrateful to Allah's favors. فَأَذَاقَهَا اللَّهُ لِبَاسَ الْجُوعِ So Allah made them taste the clutches of hunger. Remember this ayah we just spoke about. Allah said He saved this Quraysh from hunger. He fed them and saved them from hunger. Yeah, Allah says, these people who were safe at ease, received their wealth from all over, but they were in ungrateful to Allah's favors. So what did Allah do to them? Allah then made them taste the clutches of hunger. That bounty of food is now taken away. Of being fed is taken away. Now Allah punishes them with what? Suffering and salvation of, and with hunger. And Two things. Jur and khawf. And fear. He makes them taste the clutches of hunger and fear for their misdeeds. Because of what they did. Because of their deeds. Their ingratitude. Allah then punishes them with what? He makes them taste what? Hunger and fear. The exact opposite of what he mentions of how he blessed the Quraysh with. Subhanallah. And then Allah says, وَلَقَدْ جَاءَهُمْ رَسُولٌ مِّنْهُمْ فَكَذَّبُوهُ فَأَخَذَهُمُ الْعَذَابُ وَهُمْ ظَالِمُونَ A messenger of their own actually did come to them. Somebody came with a message. But they denied him. So the torment overtook them while they persisted in wrongdoing. While they persisted in, in wrongdoing. And look at the Quraysh. This is exactly what happened to the Quraysh. There were people who received their wealth from all over. They received things with ease. There were people who lived in safety, in ease, in comfort. But they were ungrateful to Allah. They showed Allah ingratitude. His favors, they, they dealt with it with ingratitude. And a messenger did come to them from amongst themselves. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was from the Quraysh. But did they accept him? They denied him. So what happened to them? The torment overtook them while they persisted in wrongdoing. And also the other punishment of what? Hunger and fear was bestowed upon them. And this is exactly the opposite of what Allah initially blessed them with. Subhanallah. So if they do not listen, this is the punishment. If they listened, 
This is the reward. Allah will keep on blessing you. And not just in this world, in the year after as well. If you don't, it will be snatched away in this world and in the year after as well. So, what was the obligation upon the Quraysh? What was it that Allah wanted from them? Allah mentioned these favors, various favors upon them. What was it that He wanted? All He wanted was, فَلْيَعْبُدُوا رَبَّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ That's all Allah wanted. It was to worship Allah alone, the Lord of this house. This house that is supposed to be your house as well. You are the people of this house. Just worship the Lord of this house. And what's so amazing is, they knew that this applies to Allah alone. Because if you look at the story of Abdul Muttalib and Abraha, when they said, you know, when Abdul Muttalib said to Abraha, um, all I want is my camels. Abraha said, I'm disappointed in you. You come here and you have nothing to say about the foundation of your deen, which is the Kaaba. All you want is your camels. What did Abdul Muttalib say? Abdul Muttalib said, I am the Lord of camels. And that house has its own Lord which will protect it. Meaning he knew Allah is the Lord of the Kaaba and that's it. So they knew who Rabbah Hadha al-Bayt is. They knew that Rabbah Hadha al-Bayt is Allah, but yet they did not only, they did not worship Allah alone. This was their, their biggest mistake and their ultimate, which, which led to their destruction in reality. So all Allah wanted from them, from them was to worship Him alone by fulfilling His commands and staying away from His prohibitions. This is the gratitude that Allah wanted from them. And this is in reality, this is true gratitude. That we worship Him alone, which is the ultimate obligation, the obligation of Tawheed. And we fulfill his commands and stay away from his prohibitions. If a person does this, he's a grateful person. Any Muslim to this day, if he can do this, he will be a grateful person in the eyes of Allah. Because this is true gratitude. Gratitude is not just lip service where we say, Thank you, Ya Allah. Laka alhamdu, laka shukur, alhamdulillah. That's one aspect of gratitude. Lip service or thanking Allah um, verbally is one aspect of gratitude which is important. But true gratitude is also found in our actions. From the heart, we truly are grateful to Allah for His blessings upon us, for Islam, for all of the various blessings that He's given us. So what do we do? We show gratitude from the bottom of our heart and in our limbs, in our actions, in our worship. That we worship Him alone, refusing to acknowledge any other deity. And... We try our best to fulfill His commandments and to stay away from prohibitions. This is the true form of gratitude. This is real gratitude in our actions as well as our speech, as well as our belief in our heart. If this is what Allah wanted from them, or this is all that Allah truly wanted from them. But we know that they did not do this, Wallahu al-Musta'an. It was for them to abstain from all sin. Allah wanted them to purify themselves and to stay away from sin, which is part of being grateful to Him, part of worshipping Him. Also because a sin that is done in a blessed place like Mecca is far worse than it being done anywhere else. Just like in a blessed time, a sin done in Ramadan is worse than a sin done outside Ramadan. A sin done in a blessed place is worse than a sin done in a normal place. Like Mecca or Medina, sanctuaries, sins done over there are worse than sins done elsewhere. And this is why we even have some narrations from some Sahaba who would stay outside of the haram area, out of fear of committing sin inside of the haram area. So they moved and they would walk every day to the haram, a distance. Why? Because they feared if I'm going to stay inside the area, I might just commit sin and I don't want to commit sin in that area. Let me rather live outside of the haram area. Subhanallah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَن يُرِدَ فِيهِ بِإِلْحَادٍ بِظُلْمٍ نُذِقَهُ مِنْ عَذَابٍ أَلِيمٍ Whoever intends to deviate by doing wrong in it, يعني in this haram area, in Mecca, we will cause him to taste a painful punishment. And this applies to any wrongdoing that a person intends to do, purposely goes and intends to deviate by doing certain wrong, he will, be taste, he will taste a painful punishment. And this is, you know, another proof that whatever is done in there is worse than that which is done outside. So this is what Allah wanted for them, you know, to purify themselves, to worship Him alone, Obey his commandments and stay away from the prohibitions and stay away from sin, especially because they are people of the haram. Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin, to end off, Rahimahullah, he says, you know, at the end of this, his tafsir on the surah, he mentions some beautiful advice that we will end on, where he says that it is therefore obligatory and wajib upon each person to remember the favors of Allah upon him in every place, not only in Makkah. 
So this surah was obviously specific to the Quraysh. And Allah mentions these specific bounties. But that doesn't mean we don't take a lesson. We obviously take a lesson as well. We learn from their mistakes. And we see the bounties that they receive. Do we receive the same? Yes, we do. Alhamdulillah, Allah has fed us. Allah saved us from hunger. He saves us from dread and fear. He's given us safety and security. And we should be grateful to, grateful to Him for that. He deserves our gratitude for this. These are just two blessings that we mentioned. There are many, many other things He's blessed us with. In reality, we cannot even count the favors of Allah upon us. However, the point here is to be grateful unto Allah and not to be like the Quraysh. And not to be like the Quraysh. Whom even Allah, after Allah reminded them of the great bounties that He bestowed upon them, they still were ungrateful. They still did not submit to Him. They still did not worship Him alone. A simple thing to worship their Lord alone, they did not do this. So the Sheikh therefore then says, we should work together in righteousness and taqwa. Birra taqwa. As Muslimin, we should come together and work together with each other, help each other, assist each other in righteousness and taqwa. Help each other to do the, to the, to do the right thing, to do good deeds and to stay away from sin and so forth. We should command the good and forbid the evil. Al-amru bil-ma'aruf al-munkar. Instruct people to do that which is good. If you see them forbidding or, or sorry, missing out on something that's fard, encourage them to do it. If you see them doing something wrong, warn them against this. With ease, with patience, with softness in our speech, with kind words, with hikmah. And to do da'wah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon knowledge, insight. Patience and steadfastness. And the Sheikh says we have to be brothers who love each other, who work with each other. And then the Sheikh says the students of knowledge specifically, the students of Islamic knowledge, the so-called scholars, especially, specifically should sit together when they differ and discuss and come to an agreement. A respectful discussion which brings them to the haqq. And when it comes clear to them, it is wajib that they follow it and not each one only seek to follow his own view. And this is such such valuable advice in reality that the students should come together, the shuyukh and so forth, the du'at should come together and discuss matters. When we differ, we should come and discuss and bring our evidences forward and try to get to one point where we all follow the same, something similar at least, at most, uh, as often as possible to follow that which is clearest, so that we follow the haqq. And not our own individual opinions. And not look to only follow our... Because what, what the problem is with some is that they only want to follow their view. And it's not about following the haqq anymore. It's about following their opinion. And their way. And this is what the sheikh is warning against. He is saying, discuss. Come to a conclusion. And follow it. Follow what's the haqq. This should be our goal in life. They should not be fanatical towards their own views. As this is incorrect. They should be as Allah says, وَمَا كَانَ لِمُؤْمِنٍ وَلَا مُؤْمِنَةٍ إِذَا قَضَى اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ أَمْرًا أَيْ يَكُونَ لَهُمُ الْخِيَارَةُ مِنْ أَمْرِهِمْ Allah says it is not for a believing man or woman. When Allah and His Messenger decide or declare on a matter, to, that they have any choice in the matter. The believers have no choice. When Allah and the Messenger decide, the Quran, the Sunnah says this, we have no choice but to submit to that. We have no choice in the matter. We cannot decide what we're going to do. No, we do whatever it is said that we should do. Indeed, whoever disobeys Allah and His Messenger has clearly gone far astray. So we should be like the beginning part of the ayah. Those believers, males and females, who submit to what Allah and the Messenger decide. We, do not, we don't put our opinions and our, our own way forward. As for the one who only believes in his own views, and that only he is correct, then this is similar to the mushrikeen who refused to follow the messengers and they would say بَلْ قَالُوا إِنَّا وَجَدَنَا آبَاءَنَا عَلَىٰ أُمَّةٍ وَإِنَّا عَلَىٰ آثَارِهِمْ مُهْتَدُونَ In fact they say we found our forefathers following a particular way and we are following in their footsteps. This is what the mushrikeen would say. They wouldn't follow the haqq, they didn't follow evidence, they followed what their forefathers followed. And that's all they, that they stuck to. And this is a sign of fanaticism. Some people do this, some people follow their culture, some people follow what their forefathers said, what their tradition says, some people follow what their locality does, 
Some people follow only what they want to follow, what their view says they should do. And nobody else has a right to um, have any say in the matter because this is their opinion. You know, and this is the problem and this is what the Sheikh is basically saying is a sickness and a disease and that the students of knowledge should not be like this. Um, and this was like the Quraysh. This was like the Quraysh. The Quraysh were too arrogant and stubborn to submit to the teachings. And so they stuck to the religion of their, of their forefathers. This is exactly like the Quraysh. And this is how this also fits into the Surah as well. That we should, as we said, our lesson is not to be like them. Our lesson is to be grateful and to be humble and to submit to Allah Azza wa Jal. True worshippers of Allah are those who submit to Him. Sami'na wa ata'na as we said. They say we heard and we obey. Any news comes, any information from the Quran Sunnah, we heard and we believe in it. This is the true believer. He looks for the haqq, he follows the haqq. Even the scholar, he follows, if he's wrong, he changes his view. If the evidence comes to him, he's willing to give up his old view, change his view and follow the haqq. This is the true scholar. This is how the classical imams were. Imam al-Shafi changed his view all the time. Other scholars, they changed their views all the time. When new evidence came to them, they submitted and they followed it. And it's not about following your methodology or your way that you believe is right. It's about be open-minded, looking for the haqq and following the haqq. This is the way of the believers. And not to be like the misguided Qurayshis and the Mushrikeen who refuse to submit. When Abu Talib, who loved Rasulullah defended Rasulullah from the harms of the Quraysh, he knew his, his, his nephew was truthful. On his deathbed, the Prophet says to him, Say la ilaha illallah, say la ilaha illallah, a word that I will stand in front of Allah with you for you by this word and intercede on your behalf through this word say la ilaha illallah and on the other end was the heads of the Quraysh saying to him are you going to leave the religion of your father are you really going to abandon the religion of Abdul Muttalib and Abu Talib decided he's going to stick to the religion of his father and he died upon the religion of Abdul Muttalib and the rest of the his forefathers from the Quraysh and he died as a disbeliever on this point, he died as a disbeliever because he refused to give in and, and, and follow and submit to the will of Allah and to the laws of Allah Azza wa Jal. So the main lesson for us from this surah is to take a lesson from the Quraysh, not to be like them and to be true worshippers of Allah Azza wa Jal, to be grateful slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to acknowledge his favors, to remember his favors upon us, and to show gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by worshipping him alone, following the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, being humble slaves, being people who invite others to goodness, being people who invite others to sabr, to rahmah, being compassionate to others, and obeying Allah's his commands and staying away from his prohibitions. And in a nutshell, this is how we will find success in this world and in the year after. Bi-idhnillahi ta'ala, may Allah make us of those who find success. We ask Allah to continuously bless us with this religion of Islam, with safety and security, with halal provisions, and that He makes us brothers and, and, and an ummah who love each other upon the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the sunnah of His Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, for indeed He is able to do all things. Amin rabbal alameen. Until next week, bi-idhnillahi ta'ala, we will move on to the next surah, insha'Allah, surah al-ma'oon. Um, we will meet again. وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك شهد أن لا إله إلا أنت أستغفرك وأتوب إليك